Welcome to the Forge America Missional Podcast, where we discuss faith, mission, the church, and the intersection of all three. Today on The Interview, we have the opportunity to talk with Anna Robinson and Roland Smith. Anna works as part of the Movement Leaders Collective team and is a freelance editor, having worked with authors like Alan Hirsch, Neil Cole, Doug Paul, and many others. Roland is the National Director of Forge America, as well as the Director of the Pando Collective. Roland and Anna are curating a book called Red Skies. Check them out at redskiesfuture.com. Thanks for listening, and we're glad you're joining us at the interview. Welcome, this is Alan Bradford in Knoxville, Tennessee, and with me today is Brenna Varner in Albany, Oregon. How are you doing, Brenna? I'm awake. Hopefully. <laughs> you are awake. I'm awake. Yes. I'm doing good. Thanks, Alan. It's good to have you with us as always. And then we also have Roland Smith in Colorado Springs. Roland, how's it going, man? Do, doing fantastic. Yeah, doing great. It is always good to see you, Roland. Always. Oh, thanks, man. Thanks. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting being a guest instead of a host like I was like two seasons ago. So this is a lot of fun. So thanks for asking me. It is a little weird. It's a little weird yeah. to be on that side of it, right? So yeah. we're going to grill yeah. you this time. So good. good. Yeah, that would be good. And then also with us is Anna Robinson in Edinburgh, Scotland. Anna, it's good to have you on with us. Thank you. It's great to join you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And so we've got you guys on because you guys are getting ready to launch a new book called Red Skies and would love to hear, okay, where in the world, I heard there's an interesting story about where this book, how this book came to be. So, so what in the world, how did this kind of come, come together? Um, yeah, well, I'll, I'll kind of tell some of the backstory, um, real quick. I mean, Anna and I have known each other and she published, um, they published my first book. She was my editor and I'd had this, this idea kind of swirling around in my mind and what, where it came from was, um, I had this general knowledge in life as a kid of this saying, this sailor proverb, like red skies in the morning, sailors take warning, red skies at night, sailors delight. I never knew what that meant. I, you know, it was just a thing I had heard. I figured like pirates used it and whatever, you know, I was reading probably for the, you know, whatever hundredth time through Matthew and read this this encounter that Jesus has with the Pharisees and the Sadducees in Matthew 16, uh, right at the beginning of that chapter. And he's basically saying, Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, you know, when it's evening, uh, you can tell that it's going to be good weather. And when it's morning, you know, it's going to be stormy because the sky is red, but you cannot read the signs of the times. And for some reason, I had never put this general knowledge I had about this, this little, you know, wives tale and the scripture together and it like hit me like a ton of bricks and so all of a sudden i remember i like put down my bible i got out google i started like researching is this thing true is it real where does it come from i like you know was on this mission uh found out a lot about it but then it it also kind of hit me that you know jesus is basically saying you know you can kind of you can you know you can interpret these things visually that you see happening correctly, but you can't interpret that I'm the Messiah or what our, you know, what the Hebraic faith was at that, at that time. And it just led me to a question to say, I wonder what the signs of our times are today. I mean, what, 
you know, because we have weather people on like three times a day, right? So, I mean, if you want to take the metaphor and make it realistic, you know, we read the signs of the times or the, read the signs of the weather all the time. But the what are the signs of the times of our church, of our faith, of following Christ that we're kind of missing? And so I made I started making a list of these topics and, and it felt like they it, it was just these big meta narrative issues. And this was during I mean, this was a lot of stuff was happening. So the presidential election had happened. You know, we were in we were in that Black Lives Matter. There was like a lot of disruption in culture. There were racial questions. There were lots of cultural issues. And it felt like, you know, is the church reading this correctly? I mean, what what does the church need to be saying in these in these times? And at some point I talked to Anna. I can't remember if I talked to you initially, Anna, or Brian Sanders first, but I was on a call with Brian Sanders and listeners probably know Brian from the underground and he's written some books also. And Brian, if you've ever been around him, he's just like, he's this really mysterious prophetic dude. He's really fun to hang out with. And so I was like, I pitched this idea at him because here was the deal. When I made that list of topics, I thought it's incredibly arrogant for me to think I could, this could be my next book project. I mean, there's no way that, I mean, Anna's going to look at me and say, are you crazy? Like it's going to take you 10 years to research it. And so, you know, I thought, man, if I could get Brian Sanders on board as a co-author, then it'd be great. Well, Brian had the idea and he said, man, this is a, this is a big top. I mean, this is a big project to take on. I asked him you know, what do you think we ought to do about it? And he said, well, what if we had some some calls with a few people that we trust and just kind of pitch the idea and see what happens? But I'm thinking this may be a multi-author book. So then Anna and I and Alan Hirsch, and Brian and Anaya and some other other people, we had these, we had like two or three calls, I think, Anna, and, and just kind of talked around the idea. And, you know, it came to fruition and Anna saw something in it and was like, man, I think, I think we ought to take this on as a project, uh, as a first kind of multi-author project. So I'm kind of curating it and, you know, maybe spearheading, spearheading the vision of it. And Anna's, you know, fantastic editor and voice and uh, helping pull it all together so that it's a great project. And so, and we have an unbelievable list of authors. I mean, we, I, I'm so excited to get this list of authors together. It's been, it's been at times we've wondered if it's going to happen because you can imagine all these people are so busy with things all around the world. It's a little bit like herding cats to try to get everyone to turn in stuff, but we, we've mostly got it in. I'll let Anna speak to where we are in it, but we're really excited and looking to release it hopefully at exponential in uh, in March. Well, that's great, Roland. Uh, Anna, when he presented this to you and you said, uh, Roland said that, hey, there was something in this that you got excited about. What was it that excited you in this project? Um, I think a number of things. I think it felt like it was the, it was the right time for it. So often a book is about timing, I think. Uh, I think we've all had books on our bookshelf where, you know, we've picked it up and gone, hmm, not the right time to read this at the moment. And I think just this is a really pivotal moment for the church and for the West generally, you know, there's so much going on. Um, I can't even remember if COVID had hit when we initially started thinking about this book. Maybe not. But, I, but yeah, I think partly partly a timing thing. This is what the church really needs to be thinking about. There's loads of issues going on. You know, what's God saying into each of those issues? 
uh, what's good news within those. So that that excited me. And then I think the idea of 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 getting multiple voices, you know, people that are experts in their field, people that really know their stuff, you know, just a, a number of different voices all all giving their opinion. And I think. You know, that word from from Brian to to say, you know, let's try and get a bunch of people was was spot on. Um, and I think all the people that we've got are really strong voices. They're really prophetic. They're able to kind of look look a little bit further down the road than most of us. So I think just being able to put that together as, as one piece uh, to bless and equip the church just really exciting. Yeah, that's great. I mean, cultural exegesis is probably one of the things that we, you know, hammer a lot about, you know, like where that's, that's one of our cowbells is like, you've got to be able to understand culture, especially now. And you guys got, as Terry would say, a murderer's row of cultural exegesis experts. And so could you kind of unpack some of the authors here and kind of how they're con- contributing mm-hmm. to the book? So, well, we've got uh, two giants bookending the book. So we've got uh, Alan Hirsch and and Mike Frost uh, as kind of doing the forward and the the conclusion, which is fantastic. I think that felt really significant to have those guys who who kind of kickstarted a lot of the missional missional movement. So uh, we're honoured to have them kind of at either end. And then we've got, and then Roland does his introduction, which is fantastic, gives an overview. Uh, and then we move on to, we've got Leonard Sweet, um, who, uh, who kind of gives some broad brushstrokes of what he sees uh, coming into the future. Uh, we've got Brian Sanders. Uh, again, he's kind of reflecting back on, uh, on the kind of rhythms and patterns of the past to give us some indications of what might happen in the future. Uh, we've got Michael Beck, who who then uh, kind of talks about contextual intelligence, uh, which is which is really key for then for, for the rest of the book, really. And then we kind of move into a number of uh, kind of key topics and issues. So we've got uh, race and sexuality, uh, climate change. Roland, do you want to do you want to talk about any of those ones in the middle? Yeah, um, I mean digital technology. Um, I mean, one of the big things is that what the question that we kind of kept going back to is like a kind of a thesis guide is how can the church be good news to the culture over the next two decades? Mm -hmm. And so, and we very much asked authors to take a meta narrative look. So, so we weren't looking for like, okay, coming out of COVID, what does the church do next year? Um, we're actually looking at larger movements of culture. And um, so how, how does the church shift into a good, back into a good news people in light of these things? And so when you think about sexuality or digital technology or uh, migration, you know, um, Lisa Rodriguez Watson from Missy Alliance does a fantastic chapter on um, how, how migration is shaping the United States now. Right. And so how does the church be good news in in a new uh, reality of that? And then we even hit some things. Uh, Rich Robinson and his husband does a great chapter on collaborative leadership. And so how how does the church or faith organizations think about leadership going into the future? So I think and it's not a book of answers. So we weren't even shooting for a book of answers. We were shooting for. Um, a conversation that would really start people thinking, 
you know, on, on, okay, what does this mean for my church or my ministry or my mission organization? So, so yeah. And then just one quick thing, I, what was interesting uh, about having Alan and Mike bookend it, um, I had this th- thought early on, it's like, there's several quotes about the future of the church uh, in the shaping of things to come, which was their kind of pivotal, seminal text that kind of started a lot of this movement. And it was, you know, I kind of approached asking them from the standpoint of, okay, what does it look like 20 years later with some of the questions they asked? And then how do we look 20 years in the future? Because it's been about 20 years since shaping uh, came out. So really, really nice that we were able to get them to kind of bookend this list. You know, I'm so excited to be able to read through these because all of these topics have been so politically charged or very emotion laden that if you bring them up in any context, it it usually becomes quite divisive. And so to be able to be in a space to explore and to listen and to think and to not have to uh, feel like you have to defend oneself or explain oneself or, uh, you know, trying to set that tone where you can actually have a conversation. I mean, I, I need more of that in my life. So I'm really looking forward uh, to being able to read through these. Um, when you were putting these together um, and, and then getting back from the different authors, the things that they brought to the table, what's something that really stuck out to you as profound to, to you and your learning as you were processing these topics? So much stuff. I mean, it's been, I, I, that's what I love about editing is that you are constantly learning um, and having, you know, having your mind reshaped and as a process of ongoing kind of repentance and metanoia. So, yeah, that's one of the things I loved. I think, I mean, one of the interesting things that Roland and I talked about as a recurring theme was how many of the authors kind of brought up the idea of shalom or shalom, as you guys would say, in terms of kind of actually what we're called to do is be people that bring God's shalom um, in whatever context we find ourselves. And it was just really interesting, you know, that all all these authors writing independently were actually, you know, several of them coming up with these this similar theme um to the point that actually then we knew that we needed to put that in the introduction because it was obviously such a key thing to a number of people Um, and even if people didn't actually use the term that's essentially what they were talking about so i think that 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 would be a big takeaway for me and 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 obviously and and metanoia is the other kind of key key theme i think of of repentance and, and and that idea of changing our minds and I think that that's one of the things you know I'd love readers to to kind of approach the book by thinking you know what's God saying to me here that means I need to expand my thinking change my mind on something and and that's not because you know what as Roland said we're not putting forward straight answers or you know this is the right way of thinking what we're trying to do is expand thinking and expand imagination um, and so, and and so, really, you know, that's 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 part of what I'd love people to take, and part of what I've I've taken on a number of topics, you know, th- things I just haven't thought about before. Yeah, for me, I you know, I kept. I think one of the things was I kept just being amazed 
and thankful that we had gone down this path, but amazed at what these authors were thinking and kind of bringing to the surface in, uh, you know, in each of these topics. When, when you go through, when you're writing a book and you're kind of going back with an editor, you have like a Word document and you're doing comments, you know, in the side panel. And, um, you know, there were so many times that I just highlighted something and all I'm doing is talking to Anna and saying, oh my gosh, mic drop. You know, it was just like these constant like th things that would just pop up and it was like, boy, this could be a pull quote. This could be a whatever. And, and really and truly each one of these chapters is, you know, is perhaps a, a good outline for a book. I mean, they have that, that kind of content in them. It's just really, really deep thinking. And, um, and it comes from the heart. I mean, so when you have, you know, when you have Onea, an African-American gifted pastor in New York, writing about systemic race in the church, I mean, there's she's writing intellectually, but but there's stuff in her heart that she has experienced, too. And so there's this there's this really good mixture of like scholarship, but also um, just praxis. You know, people have experienced this and, and know what they're talking about. Well, you guys are dropping this, you know, into, again, like you said, a very divisive time. Um, it makes me think we actually started this season by interviewing Angie Ward, and she's kind of put together a couple of different collaborative books like this, too. And I was like, oh, the, her next book, I can't King remember and, what it was called. King but I was and like, Country, oh, Angie, about, she's taking on Christian yeah, nationalism. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, you guys are you guys are like taking a stab at like idols and stuff here, so you got to be careful. But you guys are doing it, too. You're you're you're. You're punching, I mean, I don't know if it's way above your weight class, but you're taking on some pretty big ideas here, right? And you're you're dropping this into a society that desperately needs it. So my, my question to kind of be is, is what kind of difference do you think that or hope, I guess, that this book will make? I think I'm 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 hoping that people, as I said earlier, that people's imaginations will be stretched. Um, so they get a sense of what could be in the future. I guess there's, you know, there's two sides to red skies, aren't there? As Roland said, there's there's red skies in, in at night, which is a kind of positive forecast, and then there's red skies in the morning. That's that's a warning, uh, and and the book does both. So it you know it has elements of you know what are the warnings, what are the things that we need to be uh, aware of that are potential threats. And uh, you know what? What are what? What's some of the hope as well? And what's what's the future? And what can we what can we look forward to in the future? So I, I kind of hope that people see those two sides and and are aware of, you know, what we need to be discerning about, what we need to be careful about as we're going forward, but also where we can feel hopeful for where God's at work, um, because He is at work, and He's, you know, despite all that we're all that we're facing and all the complexity, all the challenges, uh, he's at work and and it's really looking for for where he's at work and and what the good news is in each of this each of the issues that we talk about because uh, there are challenges but there are also uh, great opportunities. So yeah, just really really hoping that people see that and and I, and I suppose similar to my own reaction of uh, that kind of metanoia that I talked about earlier of how 
you know, what what does this mean for me in terms of how how my I need to live differently, how my I need to think differently, uh, both as an individual, but hopefully as a as a as a member of a church community as well. You know that this would be something that both individuals and uh, communities of people would take on and think, okay, so we've been challenged in this particular issue. We've been challenged about, in, you know, environmental issues. What what are we going to do together as a community that that actually makes a difference and shows shows something different to the world around us? So that you know that there's a there's a there's a positive and that people actually take some action from from what they read. I would say, uh, for me, you know, I see that the church over over history and a lot of people have pointed this out that the church can get find itself in times where it's steered by culture rather than um, being an additive voice of culture and so especially when culture is pushing the church away right now we we're not really invited to the table you know to um, to kind of offer kingdom perspectives and so I'm I'm hoping that when when a church leader you know who is probably the target audience of this book reads through this, it, I know it's going to make them uncomfortable. I mean, they're going to hit topics like sexuality and gender and um, how digital technology is is excarnational to us and things like that. It's really going to push on people. I'm hoping that they it will shift them back to thinking about the kingdom. And how do I curate the kingdom inside of culture rather than what, how does my church fit into culture or how do I attract culture to my church or those kinds of questions. And so it feels like to me that the church needs a really good pulling back to the kingdom. And we're obviously going to live within culture, but we have to live within culture with kingdom values. So I'm, I'm just hoping it kind of, you know, it shook me up reading some of these. I mean, I, I definitely through the chapter on race and uh, some of the gender stuff that Greg Coles and Deb Hirsch are doing. And then the migration chapter from Lisa. I mean, I was really I was I had some paradigm shifts happen and kind of how I'm thinking about ministry going forward. So I'm hoping that that follows. And I think it'll be really interesting to see how different, you know, obviously different things spoke to you role in different chapters you you've highlighted to me so I think God's going to convict and speak to people on different areas and I, th- I think that'd be really interesting and it'd be it would be great if if you know people read this in in groups together and and used it as a discussion point because because it is about it you know it's a conversation it's exploring issues so having those conversations with other people of hey what you know what did you think to this chapter you know what 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 was what was challenging what you know what was you know paradigm shifting for you because I think we can learn from each other um you know from the from the different things that challenge challenge each one of us Well, this season, we have been unpacking the book, New Power. And as we've been talking about this, uh, Anna, I'm I'm kind of wanting to pick your brain as being an editor. And from that lens, it sounds like the books that you've edited before have been a single author. And this um, is a new experience in editing a book of multiple authors, authors, excuse me. And with New Power, we're looking at how we 
share information, how we uh, get more voices to the table, allow people to contribute um, rather than just maybe one voice. Uh, and so it's kind of a stretch to think about that as far as books, but I'm wondering if there's anything that we can glean from you in your experience of moving from one author to multiple authors as we're thinking about um, new power. Mm -hmm. Great question. Yeah, so it was it was very different to working with with one author um, and obviously they're building on different chapters and a whole theme together in a way that this this book doesn't. But the interesting thing was we asked all the authors to submit their chapters for a particular date, which only one person did, I think. But the great <laughs> thing about that was that I felt that because all the chapters were coming in at different times, it felt like we were able to input into other chapters from what other people had written. So it actually, I think, really worked in our favour. You know, so what one person had written in one chapter, we could kind of input into another chapter and say, hey, you know, have you thought about this? We've got this elsewhere. Or we may not even have mentioned it was elsewhere, but it was feeding into the process because we were we were learning about, you know, one thing from one theme that that actually overlapped with another because, you know, they're, they're all separate issues, but uh, there's obviously lots of overlapping themes when you're when you're when you're uh, talking about the church and the future and God's kingdom. And so I, I think that the, the, yeah, the great thing was just being able to spot where the themes themes were and to be able to input in into those those things. And, 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 the, and actually the editing process was collaborative because Roland and I actually worked, you know, I may have done some some of the more detailed editing, but certainly from a thematic point of view, uh, Roland and I were very much going back and forth, you know, talking about key issues and then obviously discussing them with particular authors. And then we, we you know, we've actually had a, a couple of other editors and voices into the project as well. So, it, you know, it's very much been a, a team effort. And, uh, and I think the book is, is stronger as a result. I'm hearing you say that those those rubbing up of ideas against each other made the ideas stronger, right? Mm -hmm. They they were more robust. It was only a strengthening. Um, for you as an editor, were there downsides as far as you know? Sometimes it's just easier it's easier to work with one person, <laughs> you know, moving into some more of that kind of you know decentralized authorship. Um, what were some of the the challenges to overcome? really just the logistics of it probably I think Roland used the term herding cats so you know working with one busy author is one thing working with um, 12 13 busy authors is another um, so I think just the you know the reality of, of trying to pull that together and I'm really grateful because actually Roland Roland did a lot of that from a logistics point of view and I guess another challenge is often when I'm working with an author on a book, it, it's uh, I'll have a lot of personal connection with the author, you know, because you're working with that that person on a lot of chapters, and you kind of develop that relationship and that rapport to be able to kind of have those straight conversations. I mean, as an editor, sometimes you just you feel really mean to be honest you can ask Roland because I've edited him how he felt but you know you you, you have to you, you're trying to pull out the best in someone but sometimes you have to be quite hard in doing that and and actually the challenge of doing that when you don't necessarily uh, you haven't necessarily built up that relationship with the authors in in the way you might normally but 
you know, everyone was extremely gracious um, and extremely humble uh, in in taking and receiving uh, feedback, which was just, you know, in, incredibly humbling to have these this uh, uh, amazing lineup of authors who have, who, you know, have worked on several books to actually, you know, be willing to take take feedback and and come back with something that's even stronger. So um, I think that that's, that, that was incredible to see. What I just heard and what you just said is we're thinking about, you know, leading decentralized movements. And from that lens of an editor, what I heard you say is um, sometimes it's really hard and sometimes you have to say hard thing, but you're trying to bring out the best in somebody or in, in, in what they're doing. Um, and it has to be couched in relationship. I mean, I definitely felt that and witnessed it happening also, you know, in, in terms of like going back to your original question about new power. I mean, one of the interesting things that I think popped up was this idea, this idea of Shalom and how after everything was put in place, that was probably the movemental word that kind of popped out of the collective voice. And so if you're thinking about new power in terms of a movement, everyone was doing their own thing and their own topics and the kingdom thing that came out of this was kind of this idea of a whole you know a wholeness into culture carrying a wholeness into culture and so yeah i, I mean i thought that was fantastic and there were uh, i'm it's escaping me now but there were several places where like common things kind of intersected across chapters and and authors uh different authors thinking but and some of these authors have haven't met each other you know, they kind of know of each other, but it was just fantastic to watch king, these kingdom principles and values kind of rise out of their writing in similar ways. You know, like they're talking about the same thing, but just in, in, in different ways. So. All right. Anna, so we've been, we've been talking about this book and you've been talking about these different chapters. You kind of started at the beginning there kind of listing, Hey, here's this person talking about this. Could you go through real quick as kind of a bit of a teaser and say, here's the, here's the author. And then here's the thing they're going to talk about. And, and this is the book that you guys are sending out mm -hmm. into the wild. Sure. So uh, we have Alan Hirsch doing the forward. Uh, then we've got Roland doing the introduction. Uh, then we move on to Leonard Sweet, who is talking about the sort of broad brushstroke of a range of issues that will impact the church. There's um, Brian Sanders, who looks at repeated cycles, so how we can learn about the future from looking at the past. Uh, there's Michael Beck, who talks on contextual intelligence. And then moving on to the individual issues, we've got uh, Anea Okuobi talking about race. Uh, Tyler Kleberger talking about climate, Deb Hirsch and Gregory Coles talk about uh, sexuality, Jay Kim on technology, Lisa Rodriguez-Watson on migration, and then the last two chapters are collaborative leadership uh, by Rich Robinson and funding, uh, sort of funding models by Mark DeMars and then Michael Frost concludes at the end. That's beautiful. And you guys are going to package this into one book, send it out into the wild, hoping it hits, you know, church leaders, church communities. This is, I mean, get ready for it, right? <laughs> this is, this is a lot of stuff. And so 
uh, I think about what you're sending out there and, and Anna, you'd kind of alluded to this, that, that you hope that this is a conversation that people are entering into that will continue conversations. It's a conversation to start conversations. And there are going to be so many people, especially, you know, in the churches that we're working with, that we're seeing that this is going to be a welcomed thing. But we also know that we're sending it, you guys are sending it into a divisive culture right now where it's, it's not going to be that welcomed. And so have you guys considered some of the implications of that and, and how you guys can continue that conversation that starts, that continues a conversation? Yeah, I, mean, I can tell you a little, little bit about some of the plans. Um, and some of this comes from um, Rich Robinson. Um, and, you know, Rich is Anna's husband, as I mentioned. He also leads Movement Leader Collective, uh, which Forge is, is part of. And um, Rich has seen kind of this idea of red skies and thinking about conversations about how we are good news for the next 20 years. He's taken that on as, as kind of a stream of thinking within Movement Leader Collective. And so the idea is we're gonna, um, we're gonna actually create a podcast, uh, kind of a separate stream of conversations and blogs and things like that. We've reached an agreement with Missio Alliance where we're going to host it on their um, on their page and kind of run it through there. And a lot and most of these authors will be the first guests on that, you know, to kind of talk through some of these issues. But um, I would hope that when someone reads the book there, we're hoping we're going to get them connected to this other stream of conversations through Movement Leader Collective uh, where they can continue that. And maybe even some of what Anna was talking about, where, you know, it could be even a staff team at a church, you know, decides to take on a topic out of this and, and kind of engages uh, the podcasts and the blogs and, and different things that, that flow out of that. So those podcasts will actually start before Exponential. So we're, we're going to kind of um, tease and seed the book release by starting some of those. And, and then we'll continue on, you know, until till we feel it's done. So um, we'll start with these authors and then there'll probably be other voices that are, that are added into that conversation. And one of the, one of the strengths of, of the movement leaders collective is that there are a ton of really competent leaders who uh, lead things like learning communities and processes that help people unpack paradigm shifting ideas. And that's what, you know, excites me that this is all connected in because actually there's the real potential to to build out and, you know, possibly even have learning communities on each issue that the book deals with that someone goes right as a as a church, we want to really engage with sexuality or we really want to engage with, you know, the technology or whatever it is that that then there's the opportunity to to really unpack and and you know we, we we tend to be reasonably organic about these things and see what God's doing and how things evolve. So there's nothing set in stone in that. But actually, you know, I could totally see that as a a, a possibility that there's a some kind of learning community type process that that evolves out of this, which is really exciting. So I know you guys are putting this out through 100 Movements Publishing, and other than having the best book ever by Roland Smith, Life Out Loud, which I, I love it because I always call that book the Exploding Orange <laughs> Book. It just it just comes at right. you, right, man? Like, And we will call this your first book uh, because we know there's going to be more. Now that you're getting your doctorate, you have to write more books, so. right? I guess so, yeah. Yeah. 
It's part of it. It's just it. And it's the way to it's the way to get wealthy, right? Christian books, you know. I mean, everyone knows that's how you that's how you make a lot of money. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So tell us a little bit about Hundred Movements Publishing, Anna. So Hundred Movements Publishing is uh, we call a hybrid publisher. So we're trying to harness the uh, the benefits of both traditional publishing and self-publishing. So the kind of caliber and rigor of a traditional publisher um, in terms of the kind of editorial standards, uh, the, the fact that it kind of goes through assessment and submission and, and a team at process like a, a regular publisher would, but then the benefits of self-publishing in terms of the sort of autonomy and freedom to uh, to create derivative works, to to have that kind of creative input into the book in a way that maybe traditional publishers aren't always able to offer. So we're kind of trying to join those things together and really trying to publish books like Red Skies, so books that are paradigm shifting, books that get people thinking, books that equip people um, in the church in terms of movement, discipleship, mission, you know, and anything really that is, is, is we call it changing the conversation. Um, so that's our kind of tagline. So anything that makes people think and, and, uh, and act differently as a result of what they've read. Um, and we're trying to trying to you know build build the authors we've got. So we've got a diverse uh, stable of authors. Um, we want to be able to subsidize work in in some developing countries. So we've we've got a, an author at the moment that we're working with in in Kenya, and we really want to have those voices from developing countries that are. Uh, speaking into Western context as well, so that there's a, a both ways approach. So it's not just the West speaking into the rest of the world, but actually we're really learning from from authors in in other geographical locations as well. And and because we're we're linked to the Movement Leaders Collective, I guess we really want the uh, the books that we're publishing to be evolving out some of the conversations that the Movement Leaders Collective is having. So that kind of collective intelligence idea of, you know, what, what we call seniors, the, the genius of the scene. So as a, as a number of people kind of gather together and learn from each other, that obviously sparks ideas. And so some of the books that we're publishing are, uh, are kind of being formed from some of the ideas that are emerging out of that, that scene and that community and collective of leaders. So Red Skies will come out, you said, by Expo, which is March of 2022, sometime in there. The podcast will come before then, so sometime before that it'll come up. And so check out the the website when we get there, redskiesfuture.com, and they can find the podcast there. They can find the book. You know, you can get this book wherever books are sold, right? So that idea. So that so definitely look for that. So Roland, Anna, it's so good to have you guys. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate thank the you. time. Thanks for having us. Thank you for listening to the Forge America Missional Podcast. Forge America longs to see the reign of God revealed in the everyday spaces of life. To do this, we partner with local movements to mobilize the people of God to participate in the everyday mission of God. If you'd like to know more about Forge America, feel free to check us out at forgeamerica.com.